Yeah. So, as I, I was saying, I, I barely got back yeah. in time <laughs> to even get this thing finished in time. I know. I, fe- I feel like I have homework. <laughs> no, me too, but it's, uh, it's a nice bit of pressure. And it's good to be on a schedule. I like it. I started at 12.30. It's funny to watch it today, because I've, I've seen it before. Once? I saw it in, I think, December of 2014, right before I moved from Boston. That's, that's Boston a minute ago. You really needed Houston. to. And I definitely needed you to need re-watch, rewatch it. Yeah, that's, that's a lot I, of time. I remembered a lot, like, as I was watching it today, I... Uh, I was seeing. I, I think I had seen pretty much everything in the movie. I probably only missed about five minutes of it. Um, someone asked me to describe it to them. That's tough. And I was like, I do not even know where to begin. Yeah, I, I, that's such an. That's a very American question. Is when we think yeah. about movies, we think that we can have, or books even, American, think about American pop, pop-lit. Yeah. And American films are things that we can describe. Oh, you know, if you've got a Die Hard movie or an action movie, you say, right. well, you have there's, a plot. This, there's this guy, here's the plot. It's, it's you know, or, or uh, the Marvel and DC comics. Okay, right. There's this guy, there's a fallen world, he's trying to... Save the world. Save the world. Okay, and that's, you can kind of describe it within those brackets. Right. This is, this is uh, two worlds pollinating each other. I felt like it was a, it was the modern world, the decadent, and it was the beautiful architecturally designed yes. Roman world of the past colliding and clearly showing you which one was preferred by who. I don't want to. I don't want to go into the director or the writer of the film, but clearly showing you which one is less nihilistic, mm. which one actually appreciates beauty as a a concept of design. These people are living in this movie in a beautiful society, but it's but it's all just there for them from the past. They're not creating it, mm-hmm. and that's Jeff's problem is he's he's not even he wrote one book but he was never creating beauty he was out out in the nightlife all the time right right he's he's kind of an infertile artist yeah and he even admits it true but also it's it's interesting when he meets uh that the the woman the the young, young love of his life dies and the man she married he meets him Right. Yes. What was her name? Elise? Uh, I think her name's Elisa or Elise. So she dies. He meets her now widower mm-hmm. husband. And he asks him, you know, could you have kids? Which I thought was a pretty, uh, I don't know, kind of a messed up question. It was very strange. He, was, he had this to, very strange directness. He was not unwilling to engage almost the yeah, hostility. Yeah, he's, he's, he's quite direct with almost everyone he speaks to. And with his emotions. I mean, he cries. Yeah. The, he says, he goes, he, he talks a lot about the, the funeral of uh, 
it was uh, Andre, I believe. Yeah. You know, the mother's there and she's crying and, he, and he's talking when... Well, even before it happens, right? He has Ramon, this entire script. Yes, he's saying... This is how you have to do it if you're going to you be don't cry. well-mannered. <laughs> and then he gets up and he goes Romanian. up to her. And then he starts crying in the, in the aisle. <laughs> Roman. Roman. Romana. Romana. And Ro, Rom, Romano, or Roman, is the, man, the male friend he... He's mm-hmm. close to. So there's two. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. It would have been nice if he was like Giuseppe. But he asks. But. He asks him, the, the widower husband, if he could have kids, and the guy says he couldn't, and then he says, oh, "I could." Yeah, yeah. That's which has. I don't want to get into like too much of the. I don't know, ner- nerding out about trying to tease nerding the meaning out of the movie I don't know because it, it was such an experience and I f- I feel like to try to well of course we're here to talk about it right but what you there have, does seem to be some some meaning there too what you have there is you have the the guy who could like, I physically f- have them didn't exactly and the, and guy, the guy who couldn't, couldn't her. would have right and you see throughout the movie, this guy's just... And you see that actually with his friend, too, who ends up... Uh, you know, we'll talk about that later. But his friend, who's the the drum, dramatist. Mm-hmm. And he just can't get a break. He's, like, trying to make it happen for 40 years. Meanwhile, uh, Jep, anyone would have been ecstatic if he had released another novel, but he just never did. Yeah, he's just... He sat sort of in the glories of, of that. Not even the glory of it. He did. He. He's like an I could have, but I didn't. Which he is, self-deprecates. Which it. is kind of a, an artistic tendency as well, and I think that is part of what it means to be an artist. But as someone who is continually making art, because the artist, the good artist, should be the person who could have made that decision but didn't, and they can say no to many decisions which gives extra weight to the one decision that they make along the process no i would i would believe that in a lot of ways for several types of people but not yeah. for, not for geppetto i think the the point is that he or jep i don't know if that was true i think it is geppetto but it, but it, he doesn't do it one because he he obviously wrote that in response to him being in love with his original right, love, right? Because right, right. somebody, the woman he's with that for that night, says, "You must have really been in love, you know, when you wrote that." And he just, you know, yeah. And then he's he's living in a thirty-five year shadow after that from the book, yeah, uh, and not just kind of partying. And he's writing, and he's doing interviews, but with people, and yeah, yeah, but he's not. He's not even living as an artist, though. Right. So he's not practicing restraint. Right. He's sort of wasted his life, actually. Yeah, yeah. And that's the realization you get with that scene when he smokes a cigarette. Right in the beginning, after all those images of beauty and grandeur and blue water and the, and the springs. Right. And the, and the man, the big, the fat guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's washing himself in the, in the water and he just... You're being sense. You're getting your senses tickled. Yeah. In the beginning, and then there's the party, and all of these people are very. 
off-putting. Right. Their behavior is very off-putting. It's very American. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also interesting that they're having that party on the roof. On the roof. It's on the top of all these things that were built by people that came before them. Yeah, yeah. It's it, That's the whole that's the story. That, yeah, there's right. that huge martini sign in neon. <laughs> Just ruining it. Over the entire... Yeah, really ruining it. Yeah. I... You know what I noticed, though, about that scene after it was done? So the party's done. I mean, I gotta say, I enjoyed the irony of that party scene, because it's a long party. It's a long party. He says he stays up all night. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's 65 years old. <laughs> yeah. This is not a guy who's 35. 30. No, no, no. I couldn't do He's that. He's actually still like it. No, I couldn't do that either. But my point is, he, 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 yeah, what you said is true. There's the, the irony of and the metaphor symbolism of their living I think it was even Bap who said this actually he said modern man is living in the sort of the cultural shell of his ancestors yeah and that's what this movie seems to me to be all totally. of these people are sort of living you know the great Italian modern life is just is just living in the um, inheritance right of a culture that was beautiful and built before you. Yeah, I, I don't remember. This lines like this float around on Twitter all the time. Uh, Evola talks about this in his book, uh, Man Among the Ruins. But you love this guy. I think he's very interesting. <laughs> I've he never he read has him. a unique perspective. I've never read him. I, I will. I will read it. Um, I have to. Devour but people everything. people say, oh, civilization. Yeah. And a person like Ebola or a number of anons yeah. on Twitter would tell would say to you, what civilization? You're living in the ruins of a civilization. You don't live in a civilization yeah. anymore. And I wonder if America really ever had. A civilization. Yeah, I'm it, not even sure. Or if it was... We're in a, kind of an offshoot of European civilization, but we're really the wild Indians. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. All of us. Even, yeah. That's our energy. That For We've sure. always been an outlaw nation. Yep. In the desert, Baudrillard has a book. Yeah. Calling it, well, comparing America to this vast desert. And I... And, and people will be like, well, it's not geographically. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, you're missing the point. Yeah, you're completely I'm missing the point. Actually. It's a cultural, <laughs> cultural desert. It is. Desert of value. It, I mean, there are oases, of course, our, here and there. Our beauty is in our is in our embrace of whatever natural beauty we have here, I think. We're, we're not... True. Uh, we're a nation of land. I do think you can have some interesting things happen in a in a desert culture that are very beautiful but that doesn't make you a civilization the blues and the and jazz for sure right those are two those, those are two are things yeah that's all about improvisation but, but is jazz european essentially like transplanted sure. it owes a, most well it owes all its philosophy to european philosophy yeah but I will say about the because the, it's existential. The blues, though, yeah, is a uniquely American. Yes, it has ties to field songs as far back as probably a thousand years ago in Africa, and but blues is like existential folk music. Yeah, but it's it's born of a uniquely ex geographical mm -hmm. and American experience for sure. It's it the 
I would say blues is definitely more American than jazz, even though yeah. both were invented here. Yeah. Jazz is very much dependent on classical music and continental philosophy. And I agree. Uh, blues is not that. Blues is ours. Blues is sort of just the, it's the, the it's agricultural music. Mm -hmm. Mississippi Delta, sure, and then up to parts of the Rust Belt. Yeah, that pipeline. It doesn't exist without that crescent. Yeah, Alabama, Mississippi, even Louisiana, Texas. Right. And North Carolina too. There's mm -hmm. Carolina Slim, and there's all these artists. Oh, I but didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, but going up to, obviously, you had the migration up, like sort of hillbilly elegy, but to Detroit, mm -hmm. Motown. You had people like uh, in Chicago, Muddy yep. Waters, yep, yep. the big names, yep. um, and that the Kings, yep, BB King, and those are the big, you know, those are the big urban blues. Albert. But the rural bluesman is even more American to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, John Hurt, Mississippi John mm -hmm, Hurt, mm -hmm. a folk. He's really a folk artist. I mean, a lot of these guys had to be sought out after some interested white guys yeah. in the north had heard about them, and yeah. they went on these trips to try and find them. Right, and they were just still in the on fields. the porch. <laughs> Yeah, but these were the these were the guys, and yeah. they they were like, "Hey, we'll record you and bring you up, and we'll you'll play Mississippi um, Newport Folk Festival." Yeah, I don't mean to go on this tangent. No, here, no, that's but, good. But uh, there were so many of those guys. Sun House, they brought out. They just they found these guys who had just disappeared. Right. They recorded a couple songs yeah. a long time ago. Disappeared. Went to work, and then these guys had heard about the legends. You know, yeah. and went and found them. It's really cool. It's a cool history, but uh, I don't know if there ever ever will be an American civilization. So yeah. long as there isn't lasting, beautiful, attached to history architecture here. Like I think you need, and it's not. I'm not talking about wooden styles of building a wooden house. Yeah, that doesn't count in my mind. You need things made out of stone. Well, that's right. We even sculpture. So yes. you know, in the film, that's a big, a big motif. Oh yeah, right. You're, you're walking through these halls, these museums, um, and you're seeing. I, I don't know off the top of my head exactly. The entire thing is this art piece. It's an art piece. You have the in stone of the sculpture yep. world. You have the you know the great statues, the great marble carvings, and the columns and even the Colosseum you see all the time in the dream you see well, it, it's actually it's the backdrop to his apartment it's all oh, that's and that's done on purpose too mm. and and you, you you're right we don't have that we don't have that because I think America as an early as an idea was a money maker for sure and this is why we couldn't shake our friend out of this last night to get him <laughs> to, because everybody thinks of America in terms of money yeah GDP yeah you know and but Europe and other nations in the world, not even just Europe. Right. Argentina, probably. Yeah. Chile. I yeah. Mean, uh, I don't know, I'm guessing, but they don't really see their nations in terms of unlimited growth and right. stock markets, you know? Right. <clears throat> what do you think? What, do you well, I mean, the conversation with him was quite oh, funny. Oh, well, no. <laughs> we, don't get it. we don't have to get into that, but... He's a good guy. No, he is. 
um, if he if he's listening, you know, we appreciate you. We'll get coffee soon. <laughs> uh, but the problem, that's actually a, a way of looking at the world that is very common, which is to take one metric and define the entire system by that one metric, namely money. And we know from observation that that is not the best metric. I mean, it can be useful in a certain way because people who make a certain amount of money generally are happier um, but the endless growth thing to a point it, to a point right actually I think it's after yeah, you have to get to like about 55,000 I think no more than that more yeah after it's after like 150,000 no people aren't there's no return gain on your happiness interesting no I mean I thought it was if I made 150 grand ago. I'd be pretty happy I'd be like that's good you know I, wouldn't have to I mean that's what you say now <laughs> No, I, I would definitely, because I make far less than that. Yeah, right. And I'm, I'm actually pretty content. You know, I'm not, not killing it in the world, but... I, I saw a chart a few years ago, um, because this famous personality was pointing to it. And uh, I thought it was around like 55, 60, but... That's the median. Yeah, it's saying if you are making at least that much, you're not like... In increases in money are not in any massive way increasing your happiness. It was something like that. I mean, maybe now because of inflation and other things, the number has changed. But the point is, your the way the best way to measure the health of a person or the health of a community or the health of a nation is not just my GDP. Yes. My bank account number. You know, there are a lot of other things. Right. Like I've said a couple of times, I think measuring on uh, family intactness could be pretty good. G GDP. Children. Uh, yeah. GDP. If it was a person, if this, if a nation was a, a human, right, would be like, would be like saying, you know, oh, this guy's really thin, but all he does is eat milk duds and Mountain Dew, and right. he's got high blood pressure right, he's, right. he's actually dying you know but he's skinny yeah 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 you know yeah. he looks fine yeah you know? well we can't even say that How about the united states that's the worst metaphor to use right you know because <laughs> of the size of the people which, which is crazy 50 percent what i think it's we have a 50 percent obesity thing. it's I, in the south it's it's definitely at least it? that i think really? it's it, is it more well, here i think it's i think north carolina it's 40 percent and then in states like Alabama, Louisiana, it's like 70. Wow. Mississippi. Really? And then in states like Vermont, Massachusetts, it's like 30. So it is it is balancing so out to be about 50%, I think. I think you're right. California, it's very high, too. Really? Yeah. Um, Texas. Texas yeah. is a very large state. I mean, think of the diets, you know? Right. There's no off switch. Right. It's... it's uh, And all the food is poisoned. All the food's poisoned. The water's right. poisoned. Spraying shit in the sky. Yeah, yeah. Fluoride. Fluoride. Fluoride stare. Yeah, oh yeah. There it is. Oh, you have it right there. <laughs> no, <I can't. laughs> you ever see that meme, the fluoride stare? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All these people are like licking an ice cream cone. Yeah. They give the stare. Anyway, uh, but that's you know that's the funny thing. I, I kept getting the impression that the thing the thing in this movie that was being contrasted was the ancestral world of 
that was beautiful and had time articulated into the details yeah. and sort of an American American it felt very American those not the nightlife oh, for sure you know not that that's not a European thing too but of course because they party hard yeah but it, it it's it's you know the difference the difference in in Italy is they're sitting on a they're sitting on a culture right. they're sitting on an actual civilization right but like you said we're not we're yeah, not we're really. Not. We're sitting on... Uh, you go to the West, you go to Nevada, and a lot of those towns were founded in 1870. Right. And they're wooden, tacked up wooden towns. Yeah, yeah. It's very neat, but it's... They're not going to be around. We don't have anything in stone. Because we have a lot of ghost towns now, too. We I, can't even... Listen, we've got... We can't even keep very tall steel buildings upright. No, we can't. <laughs> What is the average lifespan of a steel building? Uh, how long were the Twin Towers up? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that was what I was talking wow, about. Wow, that was, I mean, maybe like 10 years? I think they were up longer than that. They, they were, were built films. in 90 something, right? 91? Yeah, maybe, you're right. Or, or maybe they were built in the 80s. They weren't built before that. I'm not going to look it up because yeah, we're, we're, we don't look things up <laughs> while we're uh, on air. So... What did you think of, um, right off the top, what did you think of that, that this imagery of the, the blue crystalline water, the blue, it's just mm. very blue water everywhere. Yeah, that, the that, blue on the ceiling. I thought that was a cool feature of the film. Even the ocean when he's... Like, almost, I wasn't sure if he actually had a screen across the entire... I know, I thought that was strange. ...top of his bedroom... I didn't know that we were actually looking at his imagination. And, th and that that's like a different world. Yeah. That he's 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 seeing a beauty through that. Yeah. The blue. Well, and the blue, I guess, is the way the water was on that one day. On that one day. Right. Did he actually almost get hit by the boat? Or is that... I guess so, yeah. That's, that's scary. Oh, my gosh. I thought he was going to get killed. Yeah, you, you don't... I've... It's funny, I've always been the kind of person who, like, if I see something coming at me like that, I stop and I'm, like, putting my hands out, what are you doing? Yeah. But I shouldn't be that way. You just got to get out of the way. You can't be expecting these psychos who maybe don't even see you to slow down. How or do you swear even get out of the way? Well, you got to do what he did. What you got to dive. Coming? You got to get down, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is pretty scary. Like, I follow this account on Instagram. I forget what it's called, but it's it has a lot of boating accidents and people oh, no. getting like cut up by oh, why would the you rotors. Do why would you? Do that? Why would you follow that? I don't know. <laughs> it's just kind of like boating morbidity. I don't know what it is. Oh. They crash. They they're driving out into hurricanes and other dumb things it's uh, it is educational though you're like oh yeah never will do that you know or at least i'll try not to forgot to turn this guy on oh that's all right well but yeah i don't know what did you think about it it is kind of a, a serene thing to remember 
it's a motif throughout the whole the story yeah it, it, it's it's almost the portal to the other the, the civilized the beauty beautiful world that's that's the portal in his ceiling right that he sees between the uh, molding right <laughs> and he he still appreciates that world I think that's what he still sees it he still understands that that's where it really is that's right. where the real beauty is and yeah he's just willing to he's he's been willing to live such a long lie and then you 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 see him really realize it when when the slow motion hits and he's smoking the cigarette he stops dancing he just kind of is in it and he can see it all yeah you know and that's the moment I like to say he becomes allergic to the modern world. So. Well, I'm sure he was allergic to it before that. But numb to it, too. Yeah. And that's that's actually the trick. To, mm -hmm. A lot of people who seem to be on antidepressants and beat up, maybe what, you know, Kanye West of the world, people who we deem mad or uh, or just out of lockstep you know we, right. we this is a society we live in a society that says pete davidson's more sane than kanye west yeah that's right? funny and but kanye west or, or people who are experiencing a, a, what looks like madness yeah and there are some who are experiencing a madness or depression manic depression yeah i think a lot of people are just those people are allergic to the world as it is i've counted well, what, myself what, among what, what is the thing that people don't like or what is one of the things that people don't like about Kanye West? I think they might not like that he isn't abiding by the cultural norm, normal, the normal rules in the culture of uh, gentility. Like, we're not supposed to actually say what's going wrong. We have to, like, dance around it. And he's like, no, I'm just going to tell you exactly what I'm thinking. I'm not going to, like, beat around the bush. I'm not going to try to be extra polite to you. And, like... It's worse for him. Yeah, it's... it's because for him, it's it's not even about beating around the bush. He's not tiptoeing around anyone. He's just, this Ew. is what I think. But if you don't like it... Someone in his position isn't, isn't even allowed to tiptoe. They are supposed to be selling mm. a a package to the public. Totally, yeah. They have things they can say and things they can't. They can't even tiptoe. Right. For a while, Which I think Which is why uh, apparently P. Diddy is like, yo, I'm flying in to wherever you are. Give me an address so we can talk. He was posting this on his uh, on his page. Yeah. His profile. P. Diddy going to be in trouble next? No, it? no, no, because I think P. Diddy wants to... Like, bring him back? Exactly. Hey, man. <laughs> Listen. Listen. We can make this all go away. Yeah. Scrub-a-dub-dub. <laughs> These are the approved talking points of a man. <laughs> man, I, 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 I think he's a maverick, you know? For sure. I, a modern... I think that's bold. He's, obvi he's obviously doing this... He's intentionally at war with, with, the, yeah. with the status quo. Yeah. It's just amazing to me. It goes back to punk rock, and he's very punk rock. He's but but all these people who align themselves with the punk talking points probably hate that hate him. Oh, for sure, yeah. Know? Because well, he's beyond. He's beyond. He's another thing for the. I could see him lasting into the news cycle in a way. He's gonna run for president. You know who knows what they'll do. We'll see. He said he's gonna be president one day. I watched yeah, the if he does, we'll get him on the show. <laughs> 
it's amazing that interview with Tucker. He he's so he he's so dialed in. Yeah. He's not. Uh, he's all. He's focused. He's dialed in. He's right. clear. Yeah. There's a clarity about. It. Did you watch it? I did. And well, I I don't know if I watched the whole thing. I watched three different videos. Each one was like ten minutes or five minutes. I yeah, watched two yeah. ten minute videos. One five. You know what I like I'm about? Trying, it? I want to find the complete unabridged. That is interview. Where is that? Uh, well, it's in two parts on on YouTube. There's oh, two 12 minute segments. Okay. I like that Tucker just lets him talk. Completely. Doesn't try and corner him. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's just going. And then Kanye's like, "Am I allowed him, to say that?" Gives him the Tucker look. Yeah, and Tucker's like, "No, we're not in the business of censoring, or that's your opinion." You know. You know. It's Tucker, great. The Tucker face. I gotta remember that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a master. You're you're watching a master there. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was a good interview. I mean, hey, man, you know, th these are the interesting people. He's very, he's very Kerouacian. Yeah, you know what he's doing. If you think about the old Kerouac interviews, totally. You people just like to protest and make noise, you know. Yeah. I believe in tenderness. Yeah. I believe in romance. Well, I liked his line. Moses stuttered. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Yeah, it was so good. It was great. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, the, I think it all ties in what we're talking about because it, it's this movie is obviously taking aim at a lot of the same things that that I think Kanye West is, has been aiming at, which is funny, but it's all part of that part of that canon. True, and uh, it's not super explicit, but the biggest, you know, you have all of these motifs, you have all of this symbolism. It became really clear to me. Once we saw the woman naked with the hammer sickle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Run yeah. into the wall and smash her head off it. And yeah. the people clap. And, there, and there's a runway. There's a runway. And then J Jep's just wow. looking like... He's the only person who didn't clap, I think. That it's becomes clear to me that the society is, is, in, is in the ditch. That's, that's like a microcosm, actually, for uh, feminism. <laughs> it's like an image of that which is you know applause for be for becoming indiscreet and then applause while you attempt to head down this runway and take off into a wall well there's the new you hit the wall you're bleeding and everyone starts clapping. And because it's like, well, you tried. It's like the glass wall, you know, trying to get past the right. glass wall. The, you're, I think you're right, actually. And I think that the woman, her nudity, the hammer sickle red and the yeah. colors and the, the nakedness, the violence, all of that is, is liberation. And she's taking the liberation to the point where right, she's right. self-mutilating. Yeah. And basically a, a hunk of meat at the end of it. Right. And she's just bleeding out of her head. It's very disturbing, actually. That scene yeah. was disturbing. Was, yeah. I was like, what the hell's going on? Is she going to die? And then when he has the interview with her, and yeah. he's trying to figure out, he's like, so what books are you reading? And, you know, she says, well, basically, I'm paraphrasing, what I'm about is, is beyond words and exists in vibration and he's like what's vibration yeah what's uh what's that she's like i don't know <laughs> i don't have to explain it to yeah. you you know who, you know what that reminded me of you're gonna like this kathy newman 
interviewing Jordan Peterson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Do you remember that interview? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, that made him famous, actually. Yeah, well, I, that's the first time I saw him, and immediately I, I thought to myself, I need to watch every single thing <laughs> that this guy has said. And oh, I, I actually didn't do that. Uh, Even people... Eventually, you, you get it. You're like, all right, I got it. I, yeah. I, I get what you're going to say in general. And it's it's good actually even to go and watch them just for reminders every now and again. Even people who don't like Jordan Peterson, that interview is embarrassing for Kathy. Well, what I appreciated about it so much was how precise he was. He was no, so no, that's not what I said. <laughs> so precise. He didn't let her get away with any of her newsism. He he made her pay for every single careless word. Everything. Yeah, and it was yeah. the most, really just the most hacked journalistic piece I've seen. Yes. Hack. And I mean, it was just, uh, she was just. I mean, I do wonder how she's doing. She never recovered. Said, yeah, do you think she ever. Well, no one likes these people, but they never lose their jobs. Because, right. Because they're backed, they're industry backed. And maybe she doesn't even care about how it went. Cause she got paid, and that's what she cares about. But this is just, you know, yeah, conjecture. Yeah. But, uh,. Yeah, no, I remember that. Um, how do you? How did you like the cinematography? We're kind of jumping around here, but you know, one of the things I noticed was about that was uh, the way zoom in, zoom out, and then the the tracking horizontal tracking yeah, 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 yeah. around things. You get these real and then even spatial. Like, yeah, it would like go around, but then it would cut in. It would cut in. That was unique. That, that all plays into the different levels, too, of you've got that angle, but then you've got, you know, Jep looking up the balcony to see... Oh, his, that, dr- his drug lord. Uh, the drug lord. He's always neighbor. looking up there, and, he's, and then just the looking down. He's got the balcony. He's looking down, and you can see things from there. Uh, the cinematography plays into the way even the colors are displayed. The, oh, the blue... Yeah. The water is exceptionally blue, even yeah. in the fountains. Yeah. Uh, the lighting in the museum. Um, Very Caravaggio throughout. There's the appreciation of the female form. Oh yeah. There's a lot of boobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, but it's it's not overtly sexual. It's not no, a rousing movie. No, no. It's very. Anytime you did see nudity, it was very. Uh, just pure art. Here's body. Here's yeah. almost like a figure drawing. Class. Which is, re- yeah, which is really interesting. Like, I'll have to revisit this movie later uh, to see how the director did that. Like, how did you do? Well, how did you do these nude scenes and have them not be arousing? I think I know because they are sexual. Right. They're not arousing because you're you're supposed to be at odds with the behavior of the characters, of the behavior of the right. world yeah. that's producing it. Right. So you're not supposed to be aroused there, there, by yeah, degeneracy. There's, yeah, there's no like ramp, like arousal ramp that gives you the image that is supposed to like, I don't know, take you there. To which is fascinating, the most arousing, I don't, not sexually, you know, but the most arousing relationship is the non-sexual one. Yeah. With Romana. Right. They never actually have sex, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. 
and he that's said even in the morning she dies yeah and that's fascinating because that's the one that you're most you're energetically invested it's a, in it's kind of like an odyssean thing <laughs> he like stays strapped to the mast <laughs> who was that uh the one i no the uh not cyclops i'm thinking who who was the the woman the goddess oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's, you know uh, traps him on the island and calypso he, Calyp is it calypso i'm pretty sure calypso is the one eyed uh, that's cyclops so, uh, oh, oh okay yeah. uh so what's he he keeps her there he He's kept there 20 years, and then he just sort of decides to leave. So, yeah, some amount of time, I don't remember. It's But that... And she's mad about it. I know that. She sinks yeah. a lot of the boats. <laughs> yeah, but he's on... He's, like, high. It's, he's actually kind of the same... Doing the same thing. He's getting high and having sex the entire time. Yeah. 20 years. And, and his men just hang out for it. Right. Those are some... Good, good guys. The bros are there. <laughs> the wingmen. <laughs> the bros are there for the ride. But yeah, what what do you think about those? Uh, what the the everything is symbolism in this. What did you think about the cinematography with all? What were your points? Oh, no, same, same, same thing. I I I was watching it. And I was just like, I'm just experiencing this. I'm not gonna. I'll probably look up some some videos, like some essay videos later on it, but I didn't want to do any of that before we chatted. I just wanted to experience it and and yeah, it was it was just very beautiful. The whole thing is just very beautiful. The colors are surprising and like the perfect colors. Mm -hmm. You know, he has that red jacket that comes in here and there. Maybe once or twice, three times. But when it shows up, you're like, damn, that couldn't have been any other color. Like, it had to be that one. Right. Um, the, there are some perfectly balanced shots here and there. Uh, that kind of reminded me of uh, Wes Anderson. Um, only a couple, though. It's not overdone. But you know you have one of the one of them at the end. He's smoking a cigarette on the boat, and after the whole thing's happened, and it's kind of like he's achieved balance again, mm. in a way. Uh, but yeah, no, the 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 cinematography was incredible. The the color, the lighting, it was all. It was just a delight. Like the whole thing was just a nice experience, and. There is a way I think that you could just watch the movie and and just let it wash over you. That's and like I, that's kind of what I'm, I mean by like difference. I don't want to nerd out over it, even though I I guess this isn't really nerding. It's just kind of reflecting on what happened. To to nerd out would would be to go into. It. Maybe unnecessary detail about but, certain, but letting it wash over you, letting it wash over you. That's the difference between a movie that has some artistic value. I'm really to it. failing to communicate what it what it is. I just, it's like the vibe. I'm just this, but this movie made me really try to about, reflect on the vibe. Made me think about when you watch an American movie, really of almost any genre, the amount of anxiety the movie gives you. Huh. 
whether it's action because someone's going to die, but they're going to die violently and you're going to see something grotesque. Right, because... Or there's going to be a major letdown. Every movie you watch in this country makes you feel uneasy at some point. This movie never Yeah, because it's all tension the whole time. There's no tension in this. It does wash over you. It right. is the blue water. Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. The, the typical American film is that plot-driven thing. And maybe that's repetition for us, but... It is, it's, it's, uh, every moment is supposed to drive you to the next moment. Like you're supposed to get a little bit of release from the tension of getting past the last moment, but now you have new tension leading you to the next resolution. And it's just over and over. It's exhausting. And this, you have no idea what's going to happen. You're not really give, I mean, you there, if you really tried, you could tease out like, Oh, this is a plot point. Uh, this is a plot point. You know, the guy, um, when, he, when he, well, when Jeff meets his old friend who has the young daughter, or the older daughter, who's still stripping. Like, you could call that a plot point. You know, there are a number of things like that where one event happens and then you can surmise what necessarily should come out of this so that it's not just like a gun that doesn't get fired. Sure. But even with those things, it's still gentle. It's mm -hmm. like you don't feel that stress or that tension as you're going throughout. You're just kind of on the journey. You're there for the ride. And and I really like that. I, I just felt like I was just experiencing a vibe. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're not even, even the, the plot points that are somewhat traumatic in terms of experience. How many people die in this? They die, but they're never, you, you don't see the violence of the car crash. You don't, you're not seeing, you know, someone's head get cut off. Right. <laughs> you know, it's very American to be like, yeah, yeah people are going to die in this movie and we're going to show you every bit of it. Yeah, you know? I hate that. This, this is more about the emotional response to the things that, that are happening in the world. Right. Rather than the actual actions that are happening. Mm-hmm. Which is much more powerful. It tells a better story. Right. Well, it also leaves things to your imagination. So it allows, allows you, as the viewer, to participate a little more than if they just fed you every single thing. That's right. That's right. You know who does that? Dos Passos. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's those 90-page gaps in the storyline. True, like, oh, true. I guess some things happened. True. He doesn't show you World War One. He shows you people coming back. A news from article, it. yeah. You know, just some emotions. I yeah, think. yeah, that's good. You don't need to see everything in the trench. Too. Right. Which is also another thing, too. It's like you don't need to label everything. You don't... Which I think is heading in the direction of my my intuition about the nerding which is maybe an aversion to to wanting to label everything that i like to attempt to label everything that i experienced in watching the film that's what it is it's like i don't want to subject myself to the stress of attempting that well, i was torn with that you know, in mind, I was torn between, do I, do I want to write things down for this, or do I just want to let this thing be something... No, no, no. Well, there's, uh, there's, of course, the other tension, which is we watch this thing to have a chat about it. Yeah. Right? Um, but 
through a literary lens. True. So we're talking motif <coughs> and symbolism. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost think that that kind of exercise lends itself to a more American film. Yeah, for sure. Whereas this one, I'm like, gosh, I don't want to talk about it. I yeah. just want to have experienced it and yeah, and let it just nourish me. But in it's the a background. literary film. It is. It's, it's very literary. There. So it deserves. Who, who it is, deserves it? Who are they citing throughout? Proust. Proust. There's one Dostoevsky. Turgenev. Turgenev. Yeah. There are actually a f um, Breton. Proust is mentioned a few times, but never in a moment in the story that's decent. <laughs> Huh. Proust is mentioned by that sort of slimy actor guy who's trying to oh, get with yeah, that yeah. woman. Seems like he's trying to get with that woman. Oh, they, true, they're true. disregarding. Oh, in the beginning, Roma, Romano or Roman Shakespeare, and then they mention yeah, Shakespeare yeah, yeah. too. But they're disregarding the guy in the background who's, who is her simp. Yeah, he like that's her boyfriend. And he's so he's just so she's so rude to him. Oh my gosh! And she's clearly just interested in this actor guy, right? And he mentions Proust, and then Proust is mentioned by Andre. Yeah, at the dinner, right? He's kind of spouting. That's when he mentions Turgenev. He's sort of interpreting the world through literary yes. language. Yeah, that's his only way to say anything. So he just yeah. starts quoting these yeah, figures. Yeah, yeah. I've never read Proust, so I don't. I don't know what to make of the Proust. Yeah, Proustian things. I have Proust on the shelf. Yeah, but I don't. I haven't done it yet, so I, I don't know. But I haven't read Turgenev either. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Dostoevsky I have, but he, he was mentioned once at one point. But yeah. But those are obviously in there on purpose. Yeah. There, there's a. I would be interested to learn a little bit more about this the screenwriter because the person who can write that and kind of stand above that whole situation and give it the treatment that. It was given. Right. Sounds like an interesting person to me. I would actually like to see other things that they've done. Um, Probably a good idea. Yeah. How did you like that? The art installations throughout. So we, we mentioned the chick who's naked <laughs> and running into the wall, which is the first one. Yeah. I think. There's that. I'm sure that's the first one. There. So so that's the lens by which the modern. The modern architecture of the world is ugly. Mm -hmm. Is obviously that this is a group of people who are least connected to the art world. Yeah. If not, the gatekeepers. A lot of them are gatekeepers. Yeah. Roman, Rom, I can't. Romano, I think, or Roman, is not is not a gatekeeper, but he seems to be one of the only people who's still appreciating decent art. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, there's or decent literature too. Oh, there, true. There's that moment when they're in the in the room. I think he's going on about D'Annunzio. Yeah. And uh, I've never read him either. But well, he uh, goes on about D'Annunzio. D'Annunzio's mentioned. I didn't even pay. Yes. I didn't even pay attention it's when, to that. It's when Geppetto has his the hat yeah, on yeah, his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's exercising. Yes. What are you doing? <laughs> Lifting his hat. Yeah, yeah. And he's my and morning he says, exercise. He says something to the effect of stop. Stop living in the past, basically. You Make, know, D'Annunzio is fash literature, my friend. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but he's more than that. He's True. still appreciated. No, he's a poet. He's a poet. He, he's 
He's Mussol a warrior poet. Mussolini attached himself to D'Annunzio because he was he was telling the Italian story yeah. at the time. Yeah. It wasn't, and he was a nationalist and, yeah. and whatnot, but he he wasn't. Uh, that's he stands alone. You have to like like pound and. Right. I don't even know the politics of people like James Joyce, or, uh, but he he got brought in. I mean, Dan Nunzio was sort of sought by Mussolini, who was well read, yeah, exceptionally well read. And um, anyway, but uh, but the, you wouldn't get canceled, is what I'm saying, right. for having a Dan Nunzio reference. Right, right, right. You right. might. But most people aren't going to know. Who I mean, this was 2014-ish. Most people aren't going to know who he is anyway. Yeah, that's right. Nobody's no, people don't know Gabriel Dannenzio is or right. uh, like Dietrich Eckhart right. in uh, relation to Adolf Hitler, the spiritual drunk. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. This, the Mein Kampf is dedicated to Dietrich Eckhart. Is it really? Uh, because he was my my the, my guide in mm. forming this the National Socialist Movement. Mm -hmm. But if you were to mention his name, right, much more cancelable to people who would know. If you were to mention his name in some literary sense, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he wrote. You wouldn't. Nobody would know what you're talking about. True, for the most part. True. But that that was my only point. Yeah. But uh, art installations. Art installations. Yeah. The the paint bucket scene. Oh man. It was really disturbing. But you get it. You get the actual scene juxtaposed against the abuse that led to it. True. Uh, and so these people are getting some weird masochistic enjoyment. Yeah, out of, out of seeing, seeing this girl like, like having a tantrum. Yeah, um, an emotional breakdown. It's very. It's weird. It's weird. It reminds you. It's a dystopian moment for sure. That's definitely dystopian. Oh, look at this girl. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It also says a lot about what what we what we're doing to children. Yeah. <laughs> what we do to children in modern society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we expect of them. Yeah, and then to clap. And then that to is clap. happening. Like the, the, she doesn't have agency in that situation. Right. But they're clapping like this is her this is her yeah. her creation. I think it was quite tasteful how uh there's this thing, you can look it up, it's called Straussian reading. Mm. And it, it has to do with people saying true things that are dangerous for them to say. And this has been common in political writing, uh, at least since Hobbes, but, and uh, no, before, you know, Maimonides, and even before that, I think he even takes some Straussian readings what are called Straussian readings of uh, Plato and his political writing. Um, but the idea is that a brilliant writer is not going to be so stupid as to contradict themselves in a single text. So if you see a contradiction, then you have to read between the lines. Um, and so I kind of see that scene with the girl. Uh, you know, she starts off being torn from her friends, put in that situation where she has to throw paint at this white canvas, and she's like attacking the canvas. And it's there's a lot of tension in that scene, actually. Uh, and in the midst of it, Jep and Ramona. Ramona. Ramona? Ramona. 
go off on a little walk to see some parts of uh, the city from private viewpoints, viewing points. Um, and then at the end of that walk, you see that the little girl has actually made a, a, a it's a beautiful painting at the end of it. And when you see it, that like order has been brought to this thing, you kind of have a sigh of relief, like, ah, okay, I guess she's all right. And she also isn't screaming anymore. She's like being, she's very focused. And, and you allow yourself to move past kind of the disturbing scene that happened before that. And so I think the Straussian reading Leo Strauss. The Straussian reading of that would be uh, we disregard the, the sober part on the, on the, at the end. And the real thing that the director was trying to communicate was this exploitative uh, first half. That's true. Also, just in what Romana says to Jep. Yeah. She's like, that's not right, basically, or some form. Right, right. And he says, oh, they're making a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> she's Which making, is the justification. Yeah. Yeah, like, that. he's still locked into my GDP, you know, true, kind of mindset true, true. of, you know, whatever the the cause. And so the, art, the, the viewer is torn, whatever the cost, the viewer is torn between, oh, look, like you said, at the end of it is a beautiful painting. Yeah. So therefore, we can have mixed feelings for the process. Right. And this is a capitalist or or market driven moment of or or experience of uh, subjugation or um, what's the word I'm looking for. Exploitation. Uh, exploitation. Yeah. So you have you. Is it this? Is it this? Or is it art that we can appreciate at the end? Because all art is driven by madness. Right. So what if it's a child who's there against her will? Right. Van Gogh and uh, you know I have time on Van Gogh a lot, but yeah. any of the impressionists are all driven by madness. Right. You know, are we not happy with the end product? <coughs> or is it just? To me, it seems like this is a commentary on. I mean, it's a shallow moment for Jep to say, oh, they're making a lot of money. True. It contrasts his philosophies that he yeah. puts Well, his here. friend, and maybe he's being sarcastic. I don't know. But it is interesting. Uh, what are the two? Maybe there are two more, three more installations after that. So you have the, the woman running into the wall. You have the little girl doing the paint against the canvas. You have his friend ah this is later though you have his friend making the giraffe vanish yeah <laughs> well but you never see that he's just practicing it he turns around though and yeah like, see it's gone, gone. See, it's gone. <laughs> uh then you have his friend who does the play and he acts as in, in his own play and that actually is the only and this i think is another example of how well written this movie is his friend does the play and it's the one thing that is pregnant with meaning and sincerity yeah it has integrity and it doesn't really get a very warm reception well i mean it actually gets an okay reception but the one person in the audience who he really wants to appreciate it the chick he's simping for just pieces out she just leaves and oh no you're right it does it besides her it gets a warm warm reception reception because they want to do another night but it's not a full room 
True. But everybody in the room, and so now you have to you have to look at the numbers. There is space between the seats. True. True. So it's you know we again though we attribute success to how packed the theater is, to how packed the arena is, right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, this Versus how meaningful the of a reception is. was it, you know, for the people there. Yeah, you've got, uh, and that's very American. True. Trump and his friggin' rallies, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well it's, there were, were 10,000 like, people there. It's, it's like, like the Little Prince. I haven't read it. Yeah, well. I'm an unread swine over here. Listen, the first, <laughs> one of the first scenes in The Little Prince, he's talking about, uh, <laughs> Exupery, he's talking about um, houses. And so he said, he's, and he's doing it in the storybook fashion for, for children's books, and he's, he says, you know, if you talk to an adult, or if you talk to a kid, and you say, you know, this house is a nice house, they'll say, well, what does it look like? But if you talk to an adult and you say, well, this house is a nice house, they'll say, well, how much does it cost? Yes. And so they're, they look at the house purely in turn. And, and if you tell them, oh, it's, it's 500,000 or it's a million or whatever, they're like, oh, it must be such a nice house. Versus if you're talking to the kid, the kid's like, well, what color are, you know, the walls. Yeah. What's the shape of the windows? All right. Know? Very, very different set of values. But you have to learn to value these things differently. This is why to value them by numbers instead by quantity instead of quality. This is why every exit, every highway in America looks exactly the same. Exactly. <laughs> because adults, adults decided. <laughs> yeah. The. Uh, Take the sex set. Well, is there a Waffle House there? Is there, uh, is there a McDonald's? <laughs> Just like in every other exit, the child wants Main Street. <laughs> uh, well, we can't we can't not discuss the humiliation of Stefania. True, and we can even tie it back to that first art installation. And yeah, the, the, this is this is a tough one because there's obviously a critique of it's not just the modern woman, but there's the critique of modernity for women. Obviously, the critique of modernity for men is implied through sort of the Peter Pan syndrome, of course, of the unmarried, eternal youth, childless male who, right. You know, the men are just, a lot of the men are disgusting, actually. Right. They like are, the one guy who just like, can't stop I'm gonna saying. I'm going to screw you. Yeah. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah. And he's old. And yeah. That's. And he's at the foot of that chick who's dancing. She's like, get away from me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just, he, ew, you know, yeah. obviously ew. But. Right. And I would even say that even though the, it's hard, it takes a harsh look at modernity for women yeah through this in this movie it's not to degrade women right it's to try it's to try and show you how ugly we've made things for uh, women in the west of course and, and civilization yeah because the women are beautiful and mm -hmm. they even um you know geppetto being able to f really the most beautiful woman in the in the story is this woman who was a stripper turning tricks mm -hmm. and she's childlike in her innocence mm -hmm. she's really got beautiful traits she's sm the way she smiles the way she looks at him she's, she's very sincere sincere and there's tenderness yeah to her demeanor and she's willing to 
indulge relationship that's pretty platonic but meaningful right but but the women the woman you've got the woman of uh stefania who pretends to be a, a mother mm -hmm. pretends to be a devoted wife and she also separates being a mother from being a woman i've been a mother and a woman she that's says. true but really she's living through these delusions of grandeur mm -hmm. and he knocks her down hard and he didn't want to do it i mean maybe he, he said don't make me did. do it you're, yeah he, don't don't make me do it but all he says really is you're a loser like we are yeah you know and you should have affection for us instead of disdain right and right. that really and she gives leaves her, gives her pause she leaves but then there's right afterwards she swims across the pool and i thought that that was yeah, just symbolic kind of, a of a threshold baptism a baptism her. a lot of baptisms in this oh true you know yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of moments of uh crossing a threshold yep and uh but, but that moment that says it all i felt like that that taking the peg out of of the hole on that one yeah really knocking her down the peg interesting contrast too in that scene with her going swimming through a real pool gets out goes presumably to her husband yes swimming in this fake pool that he can't get across because it's got the current i know that it's it's unbelievable every it's single detail so well written it's incredible yeah you watch it and you so go, his, his baptism is basically fake because he doesn't go anywhere fake yeah it's but the movie is not pretentious because i'm a blue collar mind you know i i watched it and i'm like oh i get i get really the gist of what's going on it might be a it's, few layers it's, deeper it's but, making fun of pretension at one level right yeah but then it's also being pretentious sort of sort of like the character like the characters geppetto is a pretentious right. not pretentious guy right because even though he he knocks stefania for being pretentious yeah he's doing it by being pretentious right 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 <laughs> that's the whole movie yeah all right that's a wrap <laughs> yeah that's really the whole day. movie you know and and uh but it's such an important moment because Modernity is so disruptive. Yeah. We have modern things that are good for us, right? We, we like having stoves and heat, modern heat. Right. Though Europe, we'll see what that's like this winter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, they might get really hot for a second. They're burning trash now, supposedly. It's like, oh, my no, God. No, yeah, where? Yeah. Who said that? I was reading about it the other day. They're burning literally anything short of tires now. Just no. Like, yeah. I don't, this I don't is, know if I it, believe that. This is actually no, 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 in this, pockets. This is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not widespread, but because of the cost of uh, wood yeah. is so high, even in France. Really? That they're burning things that you really shouldn't be burning, which is wow beyond irony, right? Because that's the least green thing you can do. What, to burn wood? Yeah, of course. No, to burn trash, to burn. Oh, right, right. There are pockets where they're burning rubbish um, that's not made up this is happening well you know i i feel bad on one level for the europeans because nobody wants anybody to be cold you know god forbid that uh that happened here could but it's like listen you were dumb enough to let this happen to yourselves by going along with all of this anti-energy propaganda that was funded in part 
by the Russians, which we've got to give them credit. They, that they was quite it. shrewd on their part. Oh, that's incredible. You got rid of your nuclear. You got rid of your oil. Now they have you by the balls. You can't do anything. And then who knows what happened with uh, the pipelines. But um, you're not going to have energy. Like you've been completely isolated. Mm. And now you're pretty much totally screwed, at least for the winter. Unless you like get it together. There's no way to get it together. You can't scramble this type of thing. Together. I mean, in World War II, we were building entire ships in like 24 hours, like battleships. We were building... You can't uh, just build a nuclear plant though overnight. This bombers. No, you can't do a nuclear plant, but you can fix a pipeline. Oh, but but that's the thing. The, the Like if you really want to do something, you can make like the Chinese and have a thousand people build something that you need built rather than the 10 or 20 people that we do so in the United States. Th we, this is a religion, obviously, that they're, they're adhering to. Over there. Right. That they're... The church of climate change right. is, is dictating at this moment. I mean, th this is insane. We're, th they're a continent that listens to Greta Thunberg. <laughs> like an, Which is another exploited know, child. She's, well, yeah, she is just, a, she's 19. Or now. she was, now she's independent. But there's something mostly, wrong with as far her. As we know. She's not a normal kid. There's, she's got one of those personalities that's like, I would kill 100 million people. Well, I don't know about that. No, no, but she's got the type of like, like a ideological mind that believes that whatever means to her ideology it, I'm not saying she would do that or I don't that I don't think she has that kind of ideological agency I don't think she's ever had it but the mindset of of like she didn't those were not her ideas it when doesn't she, matter when she was giving speeches no, to the UN or going not. on tour around the world so I, she was selected yeah but 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 people like that are so driven by the end goal of their ideology that you really you're not really concerned with the the people who are going to be left in the cold this winter right as long as you're getting to your ideo ideological endpoint. but okay so yeah so on the one hand it's like we don't want i don't want the europeans to suffer in this way no but they're going they're going to wake up because of this happening hopefully and For what <laughs> well, you're gonna say they're gonna be able to say, "Listen, that thing was completely unrealistic. It didn't work. There are other things that can be done." On the, let's, this is assuming that your climate science is correct, which, just for the sake of argument, we can give that to them. Even if you assume that it's right, going about it in this way, where you are putting yourselves, millions of yourselves in this a situation where you could just die this year or next year for what really does amount to spurious science uh it's just foolish it makes no sense at all so you have to after they suffer a little bit this winter i'm sure there will there will there will be a correction i don't know I don't know. I you're asking I have a lot faith of in the Europeans, even though they've been pretty stupid. I think a lot of people for a while now. I, maybe there's a correction to a point. Like this. the whole like suicide, two suicide attempts in one century. You know that was dumb enough. But this, 
You got a third time's a charm. You got, you got to come out of it. <laughs> I, I, I want to believe that, but it really, it's, it's just like the COVID thing. You know, a lot of, uh, there, there are many doctors now coming out about COVID. Yeah. Saying we need to pause this for people who are under 30. Right. Entirely. This is bad. This is not looking good. Right. We're having heart attacks, sudden cardi- cardiac death syndrome. Right. These things are happening in numbers we really shouldn't turn our eyes, avert our eyes from. And then there are people who will see that and will have COVID. Yeah. And will a week after recovery say, man, I really have to get my booster. You know, these are, this is real. This is, this is, there's, you have to have a brain that's making the connections, right? You have to be able to be able to say, wait, I had COVID and I'm under 30. Therefore, right. I shouldn't. Right. That's a connection. That's a right. logical con- connection. Right, right, right. You know, it's not anti-vax. It's not anti uh, anything other than, it, than insanity, really. Right. So what the Europeans are going to have to do is make a connection. Right. Oh, we are cold. B. Uh, a. We are cold. B. We don't have energy. C. Therefore, we need <laughs> yeah. energy. I don't think a lot of people can make the connection for some reason. I right. think a lot of people are going to say, "This is why we needed to go to renewables. This is why we needed more solar panels." Yeah, to permanently get rid of silver supply. It's just among it's other just the, 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 there's going to be a large chunk of the population there that's going to blame. Uh, that's going to blame not having transitioned. You know, because... Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're already doing that. They're already doing that. It's like, well, if you had just gone greener faster, we wouldn't be having this issue. You can mold the narrative. And and part of it, there are are things that some some of the green activists are saying in, in England that I understand seem to be pretty true to me. Namely that... For one, the buildings, most of the buildings in England seem to be poorly insulated. And there really? needs to be, yeah, that seems to be true. I don't have, I don't have the facts about it, but that seems to be true. If that is true, that would help people. Right. Better insulating buildings will help conserve energy. Sure. Keep people warmer. Right. If you're living in a drafty building from the 17, 16, 1500s or whatever. Right. It, it, it's going to be more dangerous, you know. So there should be maybe some investments made, and in, let's insulate our buildings better, and we can we can use less energy. That's fair, but you still have to meet in the middle. Right. You still have to use energy. Right. The, but but it, it, like finally, I'll say about this: Michael Schellenberger is one of my favorite commentators on this. He he's one of the only people, as a progressive or former progressive, who's willing to say this is a Malthusian ideology. Yeah. That this isn't just people interested in transition. They're right. interested in destroying Western society right. to achieve their goals. Right. We're giving people too much credit, is what he's kind of saying. Yeah. He, he says this, these people are willing to get their way at the cost of... Millions of lives. Potentially millions of people. Billions. They're also the same people. And this is what drives me nuts who do not want Africa to energize. Really? They, they don't, they, well, the UN and, and, and the Davos and all these, these people, they don't, want, they don't want Africa to start getting into fossil fuels. And, really? Uh, and, no, absolutely not. They're trying to transition Africa to green. 
Interesting. But Africa, so much of Africa, that's a generalization, isn't transitioned to the first step in the first place. Right. To, you know, so it's like these people, some of these countries are just starting to really get what they want for themselves after right. years of abuse and sure. colonization, exploitation now by China. Right. And certain European nations are yeah, yeah, they're yeah. mining the shit out of the countries yeah. there. Enslaving people. Yep. Uh, another taste of irony. Right. And things like that. But yeah, they don't they don't want them to they don't want natural gas being used in Africa. They don't want developing nations to start really using these resources. Hmm. So it's like these people are still dying in Africa. Right. Preventable thing, you know. Right, right. We should be trying to build those people build and let's say you wanted to reduce the number of children that they're having well one of the ways that you could do that eugenics no 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 i'm saying one of the ways that you could do that would be to industrialize a little at least yeah you know? because people in agricultural societies have children because which they're kind, dying in infancy which kind of shows i don't know it, it shows you that they that their motives because I'm just I'm saying that's one way that you could do it if you wanted it to happen but it doesn't seem like they want it to happen because they don't want independent African nations that's perhaps. right well one of the because if you industrialize that's a good step towards independence industrial, actual independence industrialization will produce the initial population boom too mm. remember these people true true these people who in my opinion, or yeah. as it seems to be, yeah, these these are woke world leaders. I yeah. really think genuinely hate black people. <laughs> I yeah, think, well, like, and humankind and in humankind, but they 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 really have a deep scorn for countries that are trying to rise above the rubble. Yeah, uh, which is beyond irony. I think hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to have some contempt. If you're the type of person who's like, yeah, I really don't want those people to energize their country yeah. while I want to mine for cobalt. I mean, I'll tell you my position. My position is that the the outer islands on uh, Mackinder's map should all be united. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll just leave that there. I have no idea what you're talking I'll about. I'll just leave that there. Let's go back to the movie. <laughs> yeah. I got two questions. Weaving in and out of the currents, the current events. I just want. I was just ranting. Just no, it's ranting. great. It's great. I'm mad. I want people to have energy, Manassa. I want them to live. Prosper. Same. Same. I think we have to adapt. As if a, you as a, if as you a, have more independent players mm. in the world, you have a more interesting world, mm -hmm. and it forces everybody to be more competitive. And I think that destruction of competition is is really what has created a lot of our problems. That's not a novel Maybe. idea. Yeah. What is first question? Yeah. Leaving the city motif. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Which so that, ties into a yeah that goes back to Manhattan does, transfer. Manhattan transfer from last time. Yeah. And some other conversations we've had. I thought it was interesting because Rome is. Uh, I've never been to Rome. Have you? Yeah. You have, so you can maybe speak to this. Rome seems to be a beautiful place underneath. Hmm. People go to Rome to see the Colosseum, right? To see the great artwork, the great architecture. But sitting on top of all of that as this is sort of a New York City style 
Yeah, there's a there's a no door thing. Oh, I, Thomas Wolf, did you yeah, read it? I didn't. No, but I'm yeah. just going off what you told me. The or at least what <laughs> I th think what you told me means. I remember when I was well running around on various adventures that I've been on. One of the things that I learned was you got to go on the tours. Like if you don't go on the tour, you don't really learn about the city. It's like if you meet somebody on the street and you just got their name, but you never got their story. And someone says, oh, have you, have you met that person? And you're like, oh yeah, I've met John. It's like, okay, well, what do you know about him? Nothing. It's like, well, you didn't really, what, what did you even get when you met John? You just got his name? Yeah. So you got to go on the tours because you have to learn the story of the person that you're meeting. You have to learn the story sure. of the city. But then there's another thing too, which is you also have to go beyond the tours. You actually have to meet somebody who lives there and go and dine with them, like preferably at their house. Then you're, you're getting through the door into the actual place. Like, this has been the difference for me. I've gone to Israel a number of times, and I remember the first couple times, it felt very much like a tourist experience for me until I met some friends, like my own friends, not just uh, friends of people that I was going with. And then I had a completely different experience, uh, and I felt like I really like immersion. Got, got to know this the country a lot better in the different cities and but even then you're still only getting a, a sliver and so in Rome I definitely only had the, the tourist experience for sure I gotcha yeah but I think you know if you could find a way to get well there's that character in the, in the movie who has all the keys that's true and he is letting Jep through these exotic doors to show know, to show a different view of the city well it shows it shows her another world really true she's a world that wow you know she's yeah. sort of enamored with it yeah yeah but um for the the dramatist his friend jeff's friend this guy never gets through the door right because he's trying to get into a certain world and actually maybe he does get through the door for the first time ever and he finally gets in and he's like it's not it like what i i already know that this is not what i wanted i've been here for 40 years i finally have one night that's like moderately successful but i realize i need to go back home which is incredible it's an incredible realization yeah, yeah. and to do it at the end pretty much the 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 sunset of life well, me medium sunset. Yeah. It's, it's, sun it's definitely like 6 p.m. for that guy. Sure. Yeah. Well, he's in the 60s, right? Yeah. You think that's 6 p.m.? At least 5.45. Yeah, it's 5.45. <laughs> Some people live till midnight, though, dude. <laughs> like uh, St. <Saint> Maria. <laughs> She's 104. <laughs> uh, you know, True. I, I'll, probably, I'll probably live till 2.30. 230? No, 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 2.30. Oh, 2.30 a.m. P.m. Oh, nice, nice, nice. It's about 45. Yeah, 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 that's funny. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, well, I, I forget the actual first thing you'd said, but. Yeah, the, the leaving the city motif. Leaving the city, yeah, I think it's one of the biggest, the biggest things that the city for so many people 
I have a friend actually, you know Thomas. Mm-hmm. He is, this is funny because he does his work and lives in New York City. He leaves it often. Mm-hmm. This is where he wants to be. Uh, but he's obviously traveling traveling a lot too you know yeah. 20, 20 days a month he's in a, on a plane wow so but but New York City isn't the place that he feels like he wants to be yeah in turn you know where his soul is gonna rest he likes to come back to Waynesville he has his home is in Waynesville yeah it's where he feels most himself I think there's even for people who make it in the city he's made it mm-hmm you either make it and feel like you can make your way out of it with what with your loot, with yeah. what you've made in terms of a career and identity, wealth. Yeah. Or you don't make it and you feel trapped and you got to get the hell out of there. Yeah. But at the end of the journey is a, is a leaving, is a departure. Mm-hmm. You know, you even see it with big, powerful people. Mm-hmm. Some people stay in New York, places like New York, their whole lives. Well, look at Bill Gates. He's become a farmer. Yeah, farmer. <laughs> yeah, same with Jeff Bezos. Buying all the farmland. They, they just—they've become farmers. They've well, left Bill the Gates, cities. Bill Gates has been living on the lake outside of Seattle for almost his whole oh really wealth wealthy career. Interesting. He's never—he hasn't lived in Seattle in a long time. Yeah, I don't think he ever did, but it's close. Yeah. He has that super modern house on a lake. Oh yeah, it's I've all glass. Heard about this. Anyway. Uh, yeah, the idea, but leaving the city, and, and you have to contrast it to those Passos' version of this, is is people who who have, some of them go into the city for the dream and realize it's not there. Yeah. Geppetto seems to be living what a lot of people would perceive the dream to be. Right. But it's hollowed him out as a person. Mm-hmm. Spiritually, it's sort of sucked him out. I think a lot of the characters in Dos Passos' book would strive for that. Mm-hmm. Elaine, Ellie, almost sort of has that at one point. Mm-hmm. She's sort of out in the lights. She's out yeah, yeah. all night. She's, yeah. she's wanted by men. She's, right. And, but it, she overstays it. They come back and they, they're in poverty. Yeah. Her and Jimmy. Yeah. Geppetto's in the spiritual poverty. Mm-hmm. Which is almost way worse. Oh yeah, not that physical poverty is terrible, but at least, but at least a lot of people in that are are striving. Yeah, Chipotle is not striving. He yeah, doesn't care. It was a redemptive moment, I think, uh, near the end of the film, where Andrea, who is a kind of Jesus character, mm-hmm. dies, uh, commits suicide. Um, Andrea does. Oh, the the, the son, yeah, of the woman. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, and the priest asks, and, and I think this is actually also in the I am seventeen seventy six article. Uh, I forget who Braddock I think wrote that, and he talks about how the priest asks the people there in attendance. Will the friends of Andrea take the coffin? And this guy had no friends, but Jep and a handful of other people like make eye contact and they even, decide to be the friends. Even the slimy guy. After the fact. Yeah. Which is yeah. the Oscuri guy. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. he stands up. So there's a moment, 
and it's hard for them. And one of the one, one of the wives says, "But you're back." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're back. It's just so incredible, you know. Yeah. It's, it's and you go, "Oh my god!" You know, this guy needs to be carried out. Yeah, that was like some nice uh, comic relief. But it's comic. But you're going. Of course, you would say that. You know. Yeah. Of course, somebody would do that. Yeah. But you're back. Yeah. You know, it's like. Um. All right. Last question. Yeah. What is the great beauty? Well, I think it's I think it's a lot of things. Um, but I think if I was to tie it together, I would tie it to what Saint Maria says at the end. Probably the most. It's she's obviously there to drill home the wisdom. Mm. She's supposed to be the the sage of the story. She says two things. I took a vow of poverty. You can't talk about poverty. You have to live it. And then she says roots are important. Mm -hmm. Slightly later, after the birds are all on the deck. Mm -hmm. I think that the great, the great beauty is the opposite of what he spent his life indulging in. Yeah. And he's realizing that. That it's, it's, it wasn't a woman. It wasn't just art. It's a whole worldview. Yeah. Um, and she, she sort of embodies that sort of worldview. Humility. Mm -hmm. She's not interested in, obviously, she's a sage, right? Mm -hmm. she's, she's not interested in the material. Right, but she, was, she is interested in creativity. Because she appreciated his book. But yeah. that was the last time he she's was... like, well, why didn't you write another one? He was inspired, and he was yeah. living through the lens of love. Yeah. I took, but that I took a vow of poverty. You can't talk about poverty. You have to live it. That's mm -hmm. that's also the artist's quota. Mm. You have to live. You you have to live it. Yeah, she's like you haven't been being an artist. So you how haven't do you, been doing it. Why would you expect to be making art? And he's rootless. Yeah. And to be to the great beauty is to. As I see it in the movie, is to is to find some sort of roots. Right. And. He says it's a beautiful thing to have a family. Yeah. He does never found roots. It's not going to be everybody's roots. Mm -hmm. But it's scary to think about what life is going to be like if you're 65 and you never never married, never had children. Right. You don't have to have kids, but even just never married. Yeah. To never find conviction. Yeah. Uh, so the great, yeah. I think the great beauty is uh, is conviction in a world that's does just doesn't have it. Yeah. What do you think it is? I think I agree. I think it's uh, it has to do with living an inspired life. And and his life has become vacuous. It's surrounded by pleasure and beautiful objects, but then it's also a lot of the characters in his life are are beautiful objects. They're not mm -hmm. people for him that he cares about. He's trying to animate them into people throughout. Sure. But he's, he does that with Stefania after right. he sort of belittles her. There, there's a moment of light humor, yeah, even though yeah, he's yeah, trying yeah. to entice her to bed. Yeah. She's married. She's got children. She oh, is true. married. Right. But, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, she had been... With a lot of men. Well, she had been kind of intellectually subdued by him at that party. 
So there's that too. I still, I'm still digesting the film for sure. Cause it's just fresh. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, it today. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was very good though. I'm not trying to make it a review again, but it, this was a very good film. I mean, if anybody listens to it, to this and hasn't watched it, make sure you rent or buy the, the subtitled English one on Amazon. <laughs> I did, of course. Eventually. Well, no, I did right away, but there is an option to not buy it with that. Oh, really? Yeah. You can buy oh, it. Yeah, yeah, you gotta on. be careful. If you can oh. speak Italian. Oh, last thing I want to ask, have you read Proust? Any Proust? I read Swan's Way. So you can't really just read Swan's Way though, can you? Well, you can. You can't just read Remembrance of Lost it's Time, part of which is the six volumes. But Swan's Way is a volume in that. The first volume. Oh, so you can read the You read first one volume. volume at a time, yeah. Do you plan on reading more? I don't know. Maybe. There are so many other things I'd like to read, and I feel like I got the vibe, but I don't know. So what? Uh, Someone convince me. All right, so this is going to be my last question for you before we sign off. I know yeah. it's going to be, sh- we're going to keep it short. What is with Proust being mentioned then? If you have some vibe of him, what is the Proustian? Well, the whole, like, maybe on the face of it, just mentioning Proust is an allusion to the the name of the entire uh, book, which is In Remembrance of Lost Time. And so maybe he's, you know, that's been his whole thing. But was Proust like a pleasure seeker? I I don't know. Uh, I wish I knew these things. I don't know. I don't know. It seems to me like he was more of a librarian. Yeah. Um, But I really don't know enough about him to... Damn you, Proust. I did read this book called Mastery by what's his face? Green, Robert Green. And he has a whole chapter on Proust. And I should remember more about him than I do. But uh yeah, I only read volume one. Um and it was good. It was it was it is good. It's just a beautiful. lot. I mean you feel like you're I don't know, you're really seeing the things that are being written down. Uh, it's a lot to ask of of a reader if you're Carl Uwe Knazgar or you're Pru, Proust. Yeah. But oh, read my six volumes. Yeah, yeah, like, six volumes. One of them's at 1,200 pages long. Which to me, like, I also, I do believe in, in, um, in doing big works. Like, I like that. I like the hubris a little bit that's behind that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also think like I'm in between. I like the hubris and like make your statement. Like tell me what you want to tell me. Don't be yeah beating around the bush. Even though I do think beating around the bush it has its you know place. But I don't know. Maybe I'll get to it. The the magnum opus that I'm working on right now is Durant's story of civilization. That's, that's the one thing that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to read that in my life, but no, it's too much. I don't know if I'm going to get to <laughs> Proust uh, it's, it's, or the rest I, of Proust. I, I have almost every volume of it up there. Yeah. How many volumes are there? 11. I have like eight. And you can read one in like 20 days, you know, if you do like 
no, 20, 30 Depends. pages a day. With those books like that, I, I like to really write mark No, them same. I'm, I, it's a slow read. And if you just do like 25, 30 pages, you get through a, a big volume quick. I read the, I read, I don't even remember which volume it was in, but he was, Age of Voltaire. Yeah. He was talking about Pope, Alexander Pope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's this short, sort of ugly guy who, <laughs> so witty, and just tore people apart. Yeah. And, and, uh. Kind of like Chet. Yeah, I guess. Except he's old. But the Dunciad, I mean, yeah. at the time, that was scandal. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was, oh, Pope's going off. He yeah, was yeah. very yay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, he was the yay of the time. Uh, just so funny. Just, uh, you've never read Pope, right? No. Yeah. Anyway, let's, let's call it. Let's, let's end it here. The Great Beauty. Go see it. Yeah, on uh, Amazon. Yeah, or some other platform that isn't owned by Jeff Bezos. Goodbye. Goodbye.